in the Christian bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by, well, no one, because we're still small. But someday, hopefully, by companies like Apple and Amazon. Was Jesus a drunk? How do we fight black and white thinking? Vine 2, Kobe, and the best movie I've seen in years. All coming up on this edition of the Cultured Christian Podcast. Here we are, folks, episode two. Thank you for tuning in. And we're going to dive right in this week to the content. As I mentioned last time, there is kind of three areas of focus for this podcast, and that is culture, technology, and faith. Today, we're just going to dive into our feature, and I'm calling it the messy middle. The messy middle. Years ago, when I was in counseling, probably in my early 20s, there was something that was said. You know, if you've ever been a part of counseling, there's obviously things that you forget and you kind of feel like don't really have any effect on you. And then there's certain things, these little nuggets, these little things, these little phrases that two decades later are still lodged in my memory. And I think that's because they are so profound and so life-changing that um, it's just something you can't ever forget. And so for me, that was one of these ideas, is that my counselor saw that I had a pattern of thinking that tended to be black and white, kind of all or nothing, like A or B, like there was no in-between, no gray area, uh, no middle. And so she would challenge me and challenged my way of thinking to focus on going in between the extremes. And I love the phrase she used called the messy middle. And it was kind of, again, this idea that either extreme is often easy, but it's the middle that's messy and often hard. And that's why we tend to avoid that, right? We tend to go to one extreme or the other. And so she challenged me to think about the middle path. Think about, okay, your mind is seeing these two extremes. What about the middle? What would it look like for you to travel down the middle? And to me, this is a great principle, which it has lots of application across our lives. I mean, there's just so many different applications for traveling the middle path or going down the messy middle. And so I'm going to kind of go through some different areas. Obviously, there are many, many different areas. You may have a different application for your life right now of what the middle might be, the the harder path than the extremes. Um, I, and one area that I just can't n- not say right up front here is uh, the political realm. And I don't want this podcast to be politics and and focused on political issues. I just, it's so divisive. You don't want yet another place that you're hearing about politics. And so whenever I talk about politics, I'm going to try to make it brief and and not divisive and not take sides. But I just want to say right in, in this conversation about the messy middle that I don't think the problem here in American politics is Trump or Bernie Sanders. I don't think the problem is, you know, a person. I don't think it's a current president. I think it really is more this two-party system 
that we find our country locked in. I mean, when you think about it, we are forced every time we go in, every four years, this fall, we're going to have to walk into a voting booth and you're going to have to choose between two options. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Yes, there's other, you know, there's sometimes a third or fourth party on there. But in our country, there really are two parties that get the vote. It, I can't think of a time in American history, maybe some history buffs will chime in here, that something other than a Republican or a Democrat was voted to be in the White House. And so we are always challenged right here to choose an extreme, and we're forced to choose an extreme. And you bet both parties play into this. This is why, again, I'm not suggesting one side is or one side. They both do it. They're playing into this idea that you have to choose this extreme or the other. And I think in my short lifetime, it has never been more extremely opposites, right? Like you have socialism now on one end and unrestrained free market capitalism on the other. And you've got to choose between one extreme or the other. And I just think, again, I'm not advocating really anything here other than we've got to fight that that thing inside of us that we have to go to one extreme or the other. We have to fully embrace one candidate's views or one party's entire platform. That is just craziness. We don't have to. We don't have to be limited to think in just one one way or the other. We can think about the messy middle when it comes to politics. Another area that comes up in my mind when I think about applying this principle of the messy middle of avoiding the extremes of black and white thinking um, for me is is health, right? When we think about our health, something very deep, deeply personal, you know, and, and, and we often think about it when it comes to, to weight loss or to be healthier, you know, we all want that magic pill. What is what is that one thing? What is that thing that I can change? Is it just going to the gym? Is it just drinking these shakes? You know, is it just eating this particular way? Like I feel, again, I'm speaking from my own life here, that I so often have been brought into this black and white thinking about my health, that I've got to just do these things and then cause and effect it will equal uh, everything will just work out. I'll lose the weight. I'll stop uh, whatever negative pattern in my life health-wise. And again, those of you who have been at it for a while, you, you realize that um, your body is a very complex machine, for lack of better terms, right? Like it is a machine with so many different parts and they're learning every day. Science is learning so many things about the the mind and about the body and the gut and just so many different uh, things that are going on. And that's why you see if you watch the Today Show or Dr. Oz or whatever, you know, they're, they're constantly changing what they just said 10 years ago. Eat this, don't eat that, go to the gym this much, don't go to the gym that much, drink this shake, that shake will mess you up, you know, that sort of thing. We often get into this again, very black and white, very um, one way to health uh, kind of thinking. And and for me, again, there is often, even in the doctor's office, right? Like we we have this black or white thinking of, you know, blindly following your doctor's advice, just shut up and do what the doctor wants you to do, 
or the opposite of that, you know, just kind of assuming that you can Google it and, you know, doctors are bad. They're just out to get your money. You know, you just kind of fight this, this way of thinking that your doctor is all or nothing, that you either go to the doctor and listen or you don't at all. Another area that I think of this messy middle is for me when it comes to dating. You know, some of you listening to this podcast are married, and that's awesome, and we love having married people listen to this podcast. But for me, I'm coming at it still in the middle of my life as a single man. And a lot of times, you know, the the feedback I got, especially as a Christian man, a man of faith, is, you know, my my experience, meaning someone telling me their experience, is just, you know, Kurt, I gave up trying and I just prayed, and I just asked God to reveal to me or bring to me a, a woman, bring to me a man, and it's then, when I let go and I let God, that I had that experience. And I'm not minimizing anybody, any of you listening who's like, I shared that to Kurt, you know, like, I'm not even thinking of one particular person, but that is some of the advice I got over the years, is just, you've got to wait on God, man, you got to trust God with that, don't don't even put a ton of effort into dating. And then the other extreme is getting out there. You know, we see these people who are just every week on a different dating app. They're at a different club or a different bar, like just pounding it as far as just, you know, I'm going to be out there trying to get someone. They come across desperately seeking um, someone in the dating realm. And so for me, again, what is the, what is the middle path there? What is that messy middle between trusting God and just waiting on him and sitting in your room and praying versus the extreme of just doing it all yourself? God's not involved, completely separate from your prayer life. You're just putting in the effort in dating. It's a numbers game. You just got to get your numbers up. I think, again, what I'm learning in that area of my life is it's in between those two. There is an element of bringing God in and prayer but there's also an element of, hey, I got to put some effort in. I got to do some things to get out there, right? And lastly, I want to share just again authentically that even this podcast, the fact that I'm doing this podcast connects to this idea of the messy middle. You see, I'm a one on the Enneagram. If you guys haven't heard of the Enneagram, that's one of the topics I want to talk about actually on this podcast. But the Enneagram one, there's nine different types and I am type number one. And the title for that is often The Perfectionist, or I like better, The Reformer. And that always focuses on problem solving and fixing wrongs and really trying hard as a loyal, hardworking uh, person. And for me, I have to fight this perfectionist tendency. You know, a lot of times I don't want to do something. I don't want to commit to something unless, unless I can give it 100%, right? And that... For some of you, you're nodding your head. You're like, yeah, like that's what you should be putting in 110% to dating, to your to your job search, to whatever you're doing in your life. But for me, this creates often a paralysis, right? Because if I can't do it 100%, if I can't give all of my time or make it perfect, it be the most amazing podcast in the world with lots of downloads and everybody loves the name and there's multiple hosts I mean, I've tried for years, literally probably five, six years, I've been surveying my friends 
with different ideas like hey what about this idea for a podcast what about what about this title you know would you be willing to co-lead it with me would you come on to this podcast with this topic right and it never seemed to get to at least in my mind it never got to 100% and i would argue that's like most things in our lives right they rarely we rarely get 100% we rarely get to a place where we feel 100% confident or we're 100% committed we have tons of free time to do something and so that's why i just kind of it's 2020 man i'm diving in i'm starting this thing and it might not be perfect, you know, you might already be thinking this is lame, I doubt I'll ever tune in again, I don't know, but isn't it better just to start, to just follow this messy middle principle and just put it out there, even if, again, it's just about me and expressing myself and only a few people listen, that's okay, what's wrong with that? And besides, I'm soliciting feedback, I'm asking for you to help me make this a better podcast, and we'll talk more about that later on. But I kind of want to end this section just asking you a question. What is something you need to stop thinking in black and white about and simply commit to the messy middle? I mean, there's no doubt that it is going to be more challenging. It's going to be harder than thinking about either extreme. But that's okay. Nothing in life that's meaningful isn't hard to do when you think about it, right? When you think back on the things in your life that have made the greatest difference, that have been the most awesome adventure, the most life-giving part of your life, it required effort. And so that's my hope, that's my prayer, is that maybe just today's conversation just nudged you to think in a particularly different way than you've thought before. And may you be blessed as you travel down the messy middle. All right, let's talk some culture today. What is going on in the world? It is 2020, an election year. As I mentioned, we won't talk about politics much on this show, but we have to talk about it in for two reasons. It's because it's an election year, right? It's in front of our faces literally every day from now till November. But there's also this little thing going on. You may have heard of it called the impeachment trial right? And I don't know if you're listening to this, when you're listening to this, but it's this week that it's actually like being voted in the Senate. It's either yay or nay for Trump being removed from office. Only the third time in American history we have had an impeached president. And are we going to remove him from office? I say we, I mean the Senate elected officials from us, the American people, but I don't know about you, and, and this is really all I'll say about the impeachment today, is I'm ready for it to be over. Like I feel like my liberal friends and I um, agree on that, that it's time for this to be done and behind us, regardless of what you hope the outcome is. I think it's time for us to focus on 2020 and who is going to be president this fall and focus on the good, man. Focus on what's happening in our country and start working on and looking at things that we can improve. The areas, you know, we all agree again on things like healthcare that need to be reformed, need work. And let's get focused on that instead of being in this impeachment phase, right? We're kind of ready to to move on. And so that's all I'll say when it comes to uh, the impeachment. 
The other news this week, and again, I don't know when you're listening to this, so it may be way beyond this moment, but hopefully not too far away. Uh, the world is mourning the loss of Kobe Bryant, a phenomenal basketball player and in L.A., and you, if you know me, I'm not a huge sports guy. So if you ask me much trivia, I mean, I knew of this guy, okay? Like he's on the level that I think his name recognition is high with non-sports people. Like he's that great of a player. I think I probably could have even told you what team he played for. Uh, but beyond that, I wouldn't have known if he was married. I wouldn't have known if he had kids. I wouldn't be able to tell you how many points he's scored or what kind of awards he's got over the course of his career. But again, I just acknowledge that it's a huge thing for people who follow sports, who follow the Lakers. I'm actually kind of surprised. The last thing I'll just say here on Kobe, I'm kind of surprised at the coverage, the level of coverage. It seems like every day there is some sort of tribute happening. Um, it just seems... I don't know, in our day and age, there's so much coverage to someone dying. Um, but like someone told me the other day, I think what's unique about it is this is a tragedy. Like when was the last time was there a true uh, tragedy where someone was taken not from old age or even like an overdose, but like a car accident or a plane accident or in this case, a helicopter accident? All right. So have you heard of the movie Parasite? It, this thing won a ton of awards. I have to be honest, it's it's one of the few movies that the award shows actually got it right and caused me to check out this movie. Again, I hadn't heard much about it until I saw, wow, all these awards are coming through for this movie. And, you know, I'm usually that type of guy. It didn't have a really wide release. It was kind of an indie film, a smaller release. And I didn't know um, much about it. It's subtitles. The entire movie is in Korean. Um, and no spoilers here. I promise I, I won't give spoilers. Um, but I will just say, man, it's the best film that I have seen in years. In years. And that to me says a ton because if it's got subtitles, it's already starting from a negative for me like I just typically when I watch movies I don't like reading like if I'm gonna read I'm a good I'm into reading but I don't want to read when I'm watching a movie and so that to me is always like starting from a negative star when you think of like a five-star rating but I easily gave this four stars like it is that good those of you who know me like I'm pretty uh, tight with how I give my stars like I can be pretty critical of movies it has to be really good to get four stars and it was just a phenomenal ride again avoiding spoilers I'm just saying lots of tension really good tension in this movie you're literally the entire movie on the edge of your seats waiting for things to happen and the only other thing I'll say is that I'm still thinking about it today. Like movies that you enjoy and then just walk away and never really think about, that's one thing. But like movies that the next day you're still processing and thinking about things that happen in the movie, I think are incredibly written. They are so well written that you are still pondering how things happen and the character development and what kind of larger meaning there might be to some of the things uh, in this movie. 
Um, I'm debating tonight of watching it again because when you you know you rent a movie you have 24 hours and I'm like honestly thinking I may watch it again that it's that uh, good of a film so disclaimer it is R-rated and those of you who aren't into R-rated films um, you might want to check out Kids in Mind is a good website it kind of tells you where the uh, movie goes and so it's um, not without some things that you may want to um, consider when it comes to violence sexuality that sort of thing so do check that out before you watch it but I definitely recommend those of you who are movie buffs and are into good and great storytelling to check out Parasite the movie Let's talk tech. As often goes with technology, there will be some weeks where it overlaps with culture. And so it is this week as we talk about Vine 2. Are you guys familiar with Vine, the app? Uh, again, probably a lot of it depends on your age. If you remember Vine being on your phone or have ever used Vine. Um, for me, you know, a lot of times late at night, you know, if it's 2 a.m. and it's, you know, I've had a few beverages that night, I tend to be watching one of two things that time of night. The first would be videos about, well, Japan. I have kind of got into Japan over the last few years after stumbling on uh, travel videos um, and just became fascinated with Japan. That's kind of a whole nother, uh, whole nother podcast, but that tends to be the first thing I'm watching. The other thing is Vine compilations. Um, nothing makes me laugh like a good hour-long Vine compilation. And if you don't know, Vine was a uh, video producing app years ago, short form video app that uh, kind of fell by the wayside. And in some senses was before its time because there really wasn't the technology in the phones to and the bandwidth to support high quality video. And so uh, recently the founder, the co-founder of Vine created a new app called Byte, B-Y-T-E, and basically this app lets you shoot or upload uh, six-second videos, so it's a very short little clip that a lot of people use to make funny videos, creative videos, kind of just, again, for fun. Really, there seems to be no other purpose than to make you laugh, and there's no filters. It's not like Instagram. And so I'm wondering what you guys think about Vine 2, this Byte app. I'm on there. I'm kind of trying it out, playing around with it. I think it has a really uphill battle against TikTok. It's kind of following in the footsteps of something that millions of teens are already into, which if you're not familiar with TikTok is a very video-centered app as well, short videos, longer than this new Vine app, Byte, um, but it's not music-centered. So TikTok is you've got to have a song or typically it has a song that's played and a lot of people dance or lip sync, um, but there is a fair amount of funny, fun videos on that app but I think the differentiator between Byte and TikTok is that it's just videos on Byte and it's really not music centered. There isn't a way that you can easily bring uh, songs into it. So I'm just wondering, wonder what you think if Byte is going to take off and become the true successor to uh, Vine 
kind of the new and latest social media app. So you might want to check out Byte. It's free to download on your iOS and I believe Android. Not sure. Hopefully. Check it out. All right. So how many of you remember foldable phones? Like clearly today we are in the brick model, right? Like every phone that we have is just a rectangle screen. And again, I'm not complaining. The iPhone 11 Max that I have, the 11 Pro Max, is an incredible, easily the best phone in so many ways. Um, but there is something that I miss about foldable phones, right? Like those of us who have had foldable phones, like, I mean, the first thing that's awesome that goes without saying is like, don't you miss hanging up on people? Like that's something that's lost. Like growing up in a house where we had like a landline phone, Whenever you were mad at somebody, you could just slam the phone down, right? And when you had a foldable cell phone, you could still, like, in anger, just slam the phone shut, and it hopefully made the sound, and people knew you were angry with them. But, like, no matter what, you can't really communicate that same thing with a flat piece of rectangle glass like you can't really do that um, and so they're bringing back foldable phones I don't know if you've heard of the Galaxy Fold um, but the latest one which actually looks pretty sweet is the Razer and again a lot of you a lot of us I didn't own one but my mom did a lot of us own the Motorola Razer and they basically just took that phone the same size and made a foldable screen phone and it looks incredible. I watched the video uh, this week, kind of a hands-on video, and it actually looks really sick. Like it is this small little phone that you put in your pocket, easily pocketable, and then you just flip the thing open. And instead of there being keys at the bottom, it's just a top to bottom screen with a little you know, chin at the bottom for a speaker. Um, so yeah, it looks super sweet. I, I don't know, is it would ever cause me to leave the iPhone. Um, but as far as foldable go phones go, which kind of seems like we're entering a season now that there's going to be a lot of these foldable screen phones as that technology continues to move forward. I'm excited about it. I think it's a cool thing, a cool direction, um, especially for those of us that really care about that pocketability of just throwing it in our pocket and it being really small. And as I said earlier, it's pretty sweet to just hang up on people. Um, but yeah, these phones are really expensive. I mean, phones overall, the price of them have gone up so much dr drastically over the years. Um, so the Motorola Razr, from what I hear, is $1,500. Like, honestly, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's a $600 phone. Like, that's pretty cool. That's a decent, you know, price point. But I heard that it's $1,500. So any part of me who would be interested in that was just immediately like, yeah, no, um, it's definitely not something. So it's still early tech. Um, but if you haven't checked out the Motorola Razr, if you're interested again in technology, just check it out. It looks like something uh, pretty cool that's coming out, and we kind of seem to be moving into this new um, season of foldable screen phones. Lastly, for this episode regarding technology, I have been watching a documentary series on YouTube that is available. It's called a YouTube original. I don't know if you've seen on YouTube, but YouTube has gotten in kind of their own content. They're producing content as it seems like everybody in the world is these days. But anyways, YouTube has originals and one of them is the age of AI. And what got me interested into it 
honestly, is it's directed by and hosted by Tony Stark. Or, you know, if you don't know the name Tony Stark from Iron Man, it is Robert Downey Jr. And so that definitely kind of piqued my interest, That the, plus the topic of uh, technology-related sort of thing. And so if you want to check that out, man, I've watched probably half of them now. And it's, I think, eight episodes on uh, YouTube. And it really just kind of goes into this area of artificial intelligence and reveals things that I didn't know, like advancements in technology when it comes to uh, prosthetic limbs, when it comes to producing food. One episode talked about um, going to Mars and how there are teams now in colleges that are um, competing for being the company or the place that creates colonies on Mars that learns how to, through AI-powered uh, robots, would basically create a community for these astronauts that after six months of traveling to Mars, there basically would be waiting for them a community of buildings and uh, farms and different things, life-sustaining stuff happening on the surface already waiting there for them. So there's just tons of different topics there when it comes to AI. And so if you guys haven't heard of that series and something like artificial intelligence or technology um, interests you, I believe the first three episodes are free. It's kind of one of those things that over time they're going to eventually, I think, launch all of them for free. But if you have and pay for YouTube Premium, which I I think is $11 a month. You can stream all of them now, but otherwise they will be releasing them over time, probably with ads. You know, that's just kind of the way of Google and YouTube. You've got to watch the ads. But again, I would definitely recommend it if you're a techie, if you're into tech and the topic of in, uh, artificial intelligence interests you. And my gosh, Robert Downey Jr., the Iron Man himself, is the producer and the host of this show. So that tells you um, kind of what level of show this is. So check it out on YouTube. I definitely think it's worth your time. Congratulations. You've made it to the final section of this, the second podcast. It's exciting stuff, really. But seriously, glad you're here in the faith section of this podcast. This week, I want to continue to cast vision. And the first episode, I shared with you a verse from John chapter 17. And I felt like it might be good to dig a little deeper there to kind of start this section off talking about that verse. And so here's the context. We're going to look at a passage, John 17, and Jesus is praying in this passage. It's a very unique passage, actually. Jesus is praying to God the Father. We're uh, leaning into a prayer that he is praying to the Father and this is right before he's arrested. I mean, you just turn the page and he is being arrested and all these events start speeding up to ultimately his death, burial, and resurrection. And so beginning in first thir verse 13, uh, this is what it says. It says, I am coming to you now, Jesus speaking to God the Father, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, 
for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you've sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Now, this passage has been used in a lot of different contexts, and the main one that I'm going to draw out is uh, this idea of in the world, but not of the world. This is ultimately what I think Christians are called to, and what we attempt to do here at Cultured Christians is be in the world, but not of the world. Now, that to me is a pretty challenging thing to do, right? To be in this world, to be living in it, living, breathing, you know, going through your daily life and yet not be of the world. We've seen in Christian past, uh, in human history, how Christians have sought to separate themselves. They've taken verses like this as reason for them to grab their family and go off to some field or some faraway place and start a community and become isolated from the world, right? Because they're not of this world. So why would you participate or be connecting with this world. I mean, just the proximity of being near people who aren't Christian is going to have a negative effect on you, right? And so the concept of, you know, I think the most popular uh, version of that escaping is the Amish. You create an Amish community and you have all of these cultural things that come into your faith. Um, the way that you use technology, the way that you view culture uh, is very negative, is very, we don't want to participate in that. And it's out of fear. I think it's mostly fear-based that if they do get involved in those things, that it's a very quick, slippery slope to sin, to disobeying uh, their father. And so they just rather not be anywhere near it. And I think for us, this is kind of always going to be our tension point, right? Because people will listen to this podcast and say, well, your number one criticism will be that you guys are soft on sin, or you guys are just um, legitimizing your sin. All these things you're doing are trying to be the cool Christian or whatever. Um, but for us, again, it's this concept, which is messy, which is gray. It's not black or white. It's not super clear uh, from Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, the leader of this thing called Christianity, says his disciples, his followers should be in but not of this world. And there's a process, which he uses a, a religious word here, even the more modern translations use a word called sanctify. Now, I don't know about you, that's not typically in my vocabulary. And so I had to look up this word. I'm looking it up for you. I'm reminding myself the word sanctified. It means being made holy. It means being made holy. Now, it's important to note who is God. I'm sorry. Who is Jesus asking God the Father to do the sanctification? Right? What does he say in this passage? Who is he asking to do the work? It's God the Father. And how, what is the mode? What is the way that he is going to sanctify him? It's all right here in this passage that we read. How does he ask him to do it? He does it through the word, 
the word. And the Greek word there, we won't go into Greek often in this podcast, but the word there is also the logos, which you could say points to both the word of God, but also to Jesus himself, since the Bible refers to Jesus as the logos. You can check that out in John chapter one on your own time, but that's kind of the idea. So we are sanctified by God the Father. We are made holy by God the Father through the Word, through the Word of God, the Bible, as we read it, as we listen to it, as we apply it to our lives, but also through this person, the Logos incarnate, the Logos, the Bible in the flesh, Jesus Christ. That is the how we are sanctified. Now, in my studies, kind of just thinking through this, and again, we're going to just continue to, this isn't an exhaustive study tonight on our philosophy or the Bible, um, but I thought it was interesting when I was kind of reading through some of these passages, I had missed this before, but did you know that Jesus was accused of being a drunk? I, I don't remember ever seeing that in scripture. I don't ever remember seeing that in the Bible. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, this beautiful painting in a lot of our grandmother's homes, right? This this blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus who looks like he just came out of Christian school. Um, You you can't see his, you know, his uniform below the, the shoulder shot there, but he's wearing his uniform, just left Christian school. And he was, had the reputation some people would say, of a drunk. Now, that's crazy to me, right? Because a lot of us, especially those in this group, could have that kind of reputation, right? We could have, if you go to a bar, if you've ever had too many drinks, you can get that reputation. It's just kind of comes with the territory that when you are in those places or with people who who drink alcohol, you can get that um, that reputation. And so look at Luke chapter 7, verse 34. It says this, it says, the son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now that just, again, is an amazing piece of scripture for a lot of reasons. But to me, it speaks to this idea of reputation. Jesus was a friend of sinners. If you've read the Bible, if you've had any exposure to Christianity, you understand that Jesus was hanging out with people who didn't go to church. In fact, he spent more time outside of the temple than anywhere else. He was traveling from village to town. He is constantly on the move for most of his life. And he hangs out with the people that the Pharisees, the religious people today, wouldn't have wanted anything to do with. Because again, they didn't want the bad reputation. They didn't want to have the negative association, you know, the guilty by association thing. And I think it's also important to remember here that Jesus' very first miracle, I mean, when he came onto the scene at 30 years old, declaring in power um, his authority, his power, and he does it how? The, the choice, the setting is, again, really, really interesting. And I'm not going to read that passage for you, but I'll just remind you that he did his first miracle at a wedding party. 
Now, back in that day, weddings weren't like nowadays where it's like a four hour ordeal and you have, you know, a reception after and, you know, that sort of thing. They would party for days. It was huge. Lots of money, lots of food, lots of fanfare. It was almost like a festival level sort of thing. And Jesus turns water into wine. He provides alcohol for this party. Like that just blows so many people's theology. The churches I grew up in, it just, their minds are blown up with this kind of theology that Jesus would provide alcohol, right? And again, I'm not going to argue on this show whether or not he drank. Like we're not going to go there. That's a whole nother podcast. But scripture does teach very clearly that he provided alcohol for this party. He turned water into wine. And he didn't just do it a little bit. It wasn't like a few glasses. We're talking gallons, 30 gallons or more. I forget the exact number, but it's gallons of wine for this wedding. That is so huge, so huge. Now, don't miss what I'm not saying here. I am not suggesting that Jesus was in any way soft on sin. Not at all. But what I am suggesting and what I'm hoping as part of the vision of this group in this podcast is that Jesus was soft on people, meaning he loved them. He loved them to the point of his own death. He was willing to die a sacrificial death. It says in scripture, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so shouldn't that be our approach today? Shouldn't that be part of our philosophy of Christianity? following Jesus' example, being okay with the label of friend of sinners, being okay accepting people right where they are. Now, again, it's not to say that Jesus never asked people to change, right? I I see, and, and there are many passages where he asked people to change, and I think that's still still part of Christianity today. We have to, at times, ask people to change. But I'm convinced in a loving and accepting Jesus community, the Holy Spirit will take the lead on asking people to change. And again, struggling to travel down the messy middle here, as we talked about earlier, it's it's about that. It's about finding this middle path instead of either extreme. And I get that it's messy. Some are going to get it right and others will fall away. But I think we're called to be roaring lambs rather than a weak, impotent, or worse, isolated community. And I'll end with this. When I was in college, I was going to uh, Christian college at the time, William Tyndale College, to become a youth pastor. And I had a great teacher. And we went through a class there and, and went through a book specifically. It's a book called Roaring Lambs by Bob Briner. I'll link it below uh, because I think this is a great book, especially for people like us in this group. And and what really stood out from this is it was a rare book. It was really quite rare in that season. There might be more examples today. It's actually a pretty dated book when you look at the examples in the book of culture. But he really talks about in Roaring Lambs, this book, how we should be engaged, how we should not be separate from, but we should be in the world. And I just want to share with you one quote. There's many I was going to share, but for the sake of time, I just want to share uh, one quote. 
All right. When the church and its people are absent, he's speaking about movies, the movie industry. He says, when the church and its people are absent, when there is no preserving salt and no roaring lambs, the same thing always happens. It's just as sure as the law of physics. When a vacuum is created, it's always filled. When good departs, evil always fills in behind it. If you remove the salt, the meat spoils. It rots. This is what happened to the movies. Now, I'm not suggesting again in this podcast that there aren't great movies made by non-Christians. Of course there are. But I think largely Christians have done what I advocated not to do in this podcast. We have separated ourselves. We've created our Dove Award shows. We've created our Christian colleges and our Christian schools and our Christian entertainment and our Christian separate groups. And in that vacuum, right, in stepping out of culture, we have allowed all these other things to seep in, all these other agendas, all these other um, ideas that are antithetical to our faith. And so instead of blaming the world, instead of blaming everyone else, we really should pull up a mirror, church. We really should look us ourselves in the face and recognize that we allowed this thing to happen. Generations of Christians, specifically here in the West, Christians in America have allowed this to take place. And so my hope is that this community, this small group of us, I don't ever expect it to be a large group. It's going to be a small group of Christians who consider themselves cultured, who enjoy cultural things, and yet consider themselves still Christians. Christ followers, believers. Yeah, we might not attend church as regularly as the pastor wants, and maybe we don't fit into that Christian bubble, but we're still seeking God, and we're still a part of this world. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Cultured Christian Podcast. We'd love for you to help get the word out and share our Facebook page. We also like for you to join the discussion over at our Reddit, Cultured Christians. And also, we have an email address. For those of you still using email, if you want to share some feedback or some topics you'd like to hear addressed on the show, please email us at culturedchristians at gmail.com. And believe it or not, we also have a phone number that you can leave a voicemail or send us a text. The number is area code 810-207-5717. Again, feel free to give us a call, leave a voicemail with your feedback or topics, or send us a text. We look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks.